Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Cohen. This podcast is focused on bringing some of the wisest minds from across the globe to discuss concepts, strategies, and ideals that will lead them to be top performers in their respective industries and their lives. This show is for the millennials and millennials at heart to transcend their mindset, their health, and their income to the next level. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Welcome to the show. What is up, Millennial Millionaires? Welcome back to the show. Today, super excited for our special guest. We have my good buddy, Mr. Daniel Blue. Daniel is an author, entrepreneur, podcaster, and expert in helping people access their money inside of their 401k and IRA retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free. He is a financial wizard. He is also, more importantly, an amazing dad, an amazing husband, an amazing entrepreneur. And from what I know about him, he's been an amazing friend to me. So excited to have you on the show, man. Dude, I love the name of your show. I did not know. It shows how shitty of a friend I am. Your show name. And as soon as you say that, I'm a millennial, right? But my daughter's 14. She calls me a boomer. Yeah. Like, dude, these kids are assholes these days. They're Gen, Gen Z? Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. Rough. Like, you use Facebook? Yeah, you're a boomer. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Millennials. The show's for the millennials and millennials at heart to, you know, hear from people like you about their stories, get inspired, hear some tactical information about the industries that they're looking into and uh, hopefully make an impact for their life, man. So I do think the millennials really were kind of the last of the the, the right word. Like I grew up with American online, like AOL. Like I remember what a payphone looked like, Mm. a beeper. Right. But then I also saw new technology, right? So I, I think millennials are going to be in a really good spot decades to come because they still have that old school mentality. But then obviously, as you know, the, the world's changing, evolving really fast. Yeah, it's crazy that you mentioned that because, you know, you're a bit older than me, but I'm on the tail end of the millennials. And I just had a conversation about someone is I feel like my generation specifically was really the last generation to be able to experience not having technology right before social media and the iPhone came out. And it's so interesting to see as Gen Y, Gen Z starts to get older, grow up, and millennials start getting into power, baby boomers start you know, declining. It's going to be interesting to see their habits, their paradigms, and how they operate because of the exposure to the information age, technology, and social media. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. One day it's it's MySpace, it's American Online, Yahoo's the, the big thing, right? And then now, you know, we're in a completely different day and age. And, and it's a great opportunity, right? You know, we have the ability to really shape the future of, of, of our kids, too. So it's going to be up to us to uh, either fuck mankind over or we're going to we're going to bring it from the ashes. That's it, man. I heard a good quote. It said social media is similar to a hammer. You can use it to build or you can use it to destroy the choice is yours. Yeah. So we'll see how most people operate with it. Yeah, I think right now a lot of people are using the hammer to hit themselves. So <laughs> <laughs> Totally, bro. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, for the viewers that aren't familiar with you, maybe give you, you know, we talked about your story a little bit uh, getting into it. Maybe give them a quick uh, history about who you are, what you're about, and we'll get into it. Yeah, so you and I have a lot in common in the sense of sales guys, right? We, we came up in sales. Sales is something that... You know, we live, breathe, eat, consume, right? So that's how I got my start. But what's crazy about sales, Stephen, is you didn't think about being in sales your whole life, right? You're in middle school, you're in high school, teacher comes up to you, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You did not say a salesperson. Totally. Right? Now, if they said you want to be the wolf of Wall Street and they showed you that video, maybe your answer changes, right? (laughs) But so sales was something I just stumbled into, man. I just wanted to find a way not to live paycheck to paycheck. I grew up in a a single, um, you know, family home. My mom raised me on her own. She struggled, worked a nine to five. And I just wanted to find a way out, right? I just wanted to find a way to win the game. I've always been competitive. I've always played sports. So I'm like, damn. I don't want to just play the game and not win and just coast. Like, how can I create a better way for me to win the game? And I just stumbled into sales, man. 18 years old, jumped on the phone, started selling. It's a high-ticket real estate uh, service. Did that. And then because of real estate, Stephen, I, I was able to find the self-directed retirement account space. And, and I know we'll get into that a little bit, uh, you know, into the show. But, but basically just helping people understand, hey, that 401k, that IRA that you have, I know Dave Ramsey says buy insurance, buy mutual funds, which I'm not here to shit on insurance or mutual funds. I think those are a great thing to have at a certain place in your life, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. But did you know you could use your retirement account to invest into a real estate flip or a multi-family syndication or 
buy into a tequila restaurant, right? Like you can do so many cool things with a retirement account. So that's the world that, that I'm in. And uh, it's been the, a world I've been in for, shoot, I got into it in 2014. Uh, I've owned my own business now in this space since uh, 2018. Can you believe we're in 2023 already? It's gnarly, man. It's crazy. It's May. Jeez, man. It just... It, it does blow my mind that uh, next thing you know, it's like we're going to be, you know, writing out 2030, you know, 2031. Why, why do you think that before we hop into the meat and potatoes? You know, I had this conversation with, with multiple people. It seems as the older you get or the more time goes on, the faster it seems. I mean, I don't even remember April last month. I feel like I was just, you know, preparing for New Year's, setting my intention, right? Doing all the good things that a good entrepreneur should be doing for the new year. And boom, we're already in May. You know, we're a couple of weeks in. Why do you think that is as it feels like time is going by quicker, whether that's reality or perception to some individuals? Somebody once told me, and I don't know how you cannot agree with this, is, you know, you're in your, you know, 15, 16 years old. It feels like you're driving 15 miles an hour. You're in your 20s. You're driving 25 miles an hour. I'm 33. My dude, it definitely feels like I'm driving 33 miles per hour compared to, you know, a decade ago, 23, right? So, I mean, just me speaking personally, and I think everyone else can relate, you just have a lot of shit going on, right? Like, you know, relationship, employees, a business, this problem, that situation, right? There's just always something going on, and days just fly by, but, uh, you know, it's really good. What I just remind myself kind of where I'm at, where I'm at, Steven, is just I'm in a place of just kind of taking things off my plate and just being a little bit more simple in my life because, you know, that old saying, just, you know, smell the roses. Like I was just telling you off air, you know, my daughter's 14 years old right now. I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can with her because she's going to be in high school, you know, done with high school in four years. I am not going to get this time with her anymore. I, I'm only going to have two more summers before she drives dude, once she gets her car i'm never gonna see her ass see you dad yeah she's just gonna be like hey can i get the keys like, i mean come on you know when you were 16 years old when i was 16 years old the day i turned 16 i was at the dmv getting my driver's license i i've been meeting some of these kids steven where i'm like hey are you driving i'm like they're like no i'm like how old are you 17 i'm like why don't you have your driver's license i don't know my like, dude, I, a lot of my friends, everyone I know growing up, they got their shit right away. So I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, with I mean, I think that goes back to what we were just talking about. It's they've grown up in the information age with technology and social media. So I feel like, you know, it's not as hot as a topic as it was last year, but the metaverse is a real thing to a lot of these kids. So for them, it's like, why would I need to go grab a vehicle and go out there and explore the world when I can live in my own metaverse and not have to potentially socialize with other people because I have everything from the comfort of my home. Yeah, I'll just Uber. Like, Dad, can, we have, can I get the credit card? I'm just going to Uber Eats, you know? 100%, man. <laughs> um, Danny, when, when before we got on the show, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, what brought you to Vegas and getting attracted into sales, which we'll go into, but... For me, it's interesting because the 18 or 19 episodes that we've had so far, I would say 100% of them, the people on the show and multiple different businesses, multiple different facets, but the one thing they had in common is they spoke upon sales. They spoke upon some type of background, some type of experience, whether it was a profession for them or learning the skill set. Why do you think selling the skill set is so important and why do you think it's in the DNA of so many successful people? I think at the end of the day, the most successful people have a way of getting results and they almost like reverse engineer it, right? So I just remember no matter what I sold back in the day, I would just ask open-ended questions. How come you're looking into this? How come you haven't done it already? What's holding you back from doing it? You know, why now, right? Like asking those questions are just so crucial. And then you can ask those same questions anywhere else, right? Like maybe you're in a position right now where you're just not getting along with your partner, business partner, relationship partner, right? There's tension. Hey, what's going on? How do we get to this? What changed? Last year we were doing ABC. Right now we're doing XYZ. How come, right? So that's to me, that's, that's sales, right? So a lot of people have the, the mindset of, you know, sales is that used car salesperson that's just so damn annoying. Or, you know, I don't have what it takes to be a salesperson. That's not me. I'm not pushy. 
I don't look at sales that way. I look at sales as a way at uncovering the truth Mm. and not assuming, just asking questions. And like most of your sales managers said, like, dude, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Like, shut up and listen. Exactly. And I would even take that a a bit further. You talked about uncovering the truth in a conversation, at least in my experience, being in direct sales for a decade, uncovering the truth about yourself. You know, for me, it really has been a self-development, a self-discovery program because by being in the industry of sales or in some type of performance-based, you know, industry, whether you're a small business owner or, you know, network marketing, sales, all these different avenues is you really are discovering yourself because it's you against you and the people and the environment um, and the landscape that you end up finding yourself in really is something that is special that can really take you on that self-development journey if you're open to it and if you actually commit to it. Yeah, I like that you bring that up because the people that are listening right now that are, are doing well in sales you had those those valleys, right? Where you had a bunch of no's. You maybe you had a really bad month with commissions, right? You just weren't doing that well. And maybe you thought about just turning it in and going to get a salary job or a fixed income job, right? But it's a journey finding yourself, right? Just all of the re- rejection, all the hard work you got to put in. Like you literally are, you know, eating what you kill. And not everyone has that that mindset. man. I told you right when you walked in, but I love your shirt. For those that are listening and not viewing, it says attitude is everything. And I love that because yes, it's a cool t-shirt, but I, I, I know this in my own life. I know it's a hundred percent true. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. The one thing you always have full control over is your attitude and how you respond to whatever circumstances or situations. But for a really long time, I didn't think like that. You know, growing up in Vegas, I got very consumed in, you know, Sin City and finding myself doing things that weren't necessarily congruent to my goals, like most people and like the system conditions you and teaches you what to do. Danny, where was it? in your life, whether maybe it was being exposed into sales or maybe before that, where you started to make that shift from maybe walking the life of the 95% that is just okay going through life as more of a victim versus making that shift into personal development and empowering yourself uh, to be able to back up philosophies like that attitude is everything. And so while I was thinking about, or I was listening to your question, in my mind, I was like, okay, just so we don't have too much dead space, like, here's where I'm going to go with this answer, because, you know, where you were asking that question, immediately, I was going to go with the story of me being a victim, me having that that mentality, so I, I love how you, you know, ended that question, because, yeah, man, it really changed when I was about 19 years old, so I just kind of back up uh, seven years prior to that, at that time, my dad moved to Mexico, so I grew up in a cul-de-sac, middle income, you know, we weren't rich, we weren't poor in California, played sports, mom and dad in the house, like not a whole lot to complain about, right? And then all of a sudden, my dad just moved to Mexico, and he was gone, never came back. And now it's just my mom and I. And my my world just crumbled, right? My dad was just my homie, he was my soccer coach, he was my, you know, my best friend, loved my mom, but just, you know, you're you're a boy and you're 12 13 and you're tight with your dad like dude your dad's your everything right you're here so he was gone and at that point i just turned into an asshole like my poor mom like she's just working you know her butt off to keep food on the table lights on and i just turned into you know just a douchebag just got into drugs alcohol skipping school just rebelling right and i never found out why my dad left until i was much older so i end up having my own daughter. Uh, I'm 18 years old. I I get a a girl pregnant, didn't plan any of this. I was still being just an idiot on drugs, making bad decisions. Had a daughter. I'm 18 years old. And my mom still has just always been a rock in my life up until that point. And Stephen, there was a, a time where I was at such a low in my life that I was using drugs so bad that I wasn't even there when my daughter was born. Right? So... Like, I got to live with that. I was not in the, the the emergency room, the doctor's office, when, you know, my daughter was bored. I didn't get to cut the umbilical cord, man. Like, I missed out on all of that. And I remember my mom, a couple weeks later, I still had not seen my daughter. My daughter's mom reaches out to my mom, sends her some pictures of, of my daughter. 
And my mom comes up to me and she's like, dude, if you don't see your kid, I'm going to disown you. And my mom and I are, are really tight at this point. And I was just like, oh, shit, like, I, I can't let my mom down. So I go see my daughter. So around the same time, Stephen, I'm, I'm still holding on to resentment for my, my dad. Right? I end up having a really good heart to heart with my mom right around this time. And I find out that my, my dad left Mexico, just, just made a lot of bad decisions here. He ended up having uh, multiple kids, um, couldn't keep up with, with life. I find out I have a bunch of brothers and sisters I've never met. So just a, a different dynamic where he's just like, yo, I got to peace out. I got to go to a different country and never come back. So I never found that out until I was later. My mom's like, look, dude, I didn't want to badmouth your dad. Like, I didn't want to talk shit about him. So I waited until you're older to tell you this. And like, Stephen, a light bulb clicked for me, went off for me because I'm thinking, mom, like, how did you keep doing what you were doing when I was 15, 16, 17, 18? And just, you just held it down. Like, I never saw you cry. I never saw you talk shit about my dad. You never were like, dude, like, I don't know how we're going to make that make rent this month. Like, you know, you can't get that because I don't know if you have enough, we have enough money. Not that, you know, I was spoiled, but like she always found a way. If I told her, hey, mom, I want to play soccer for, you know, this league. Can, can I play? I'm 16 years old. She's like, yeah, I'll work overtime, right? Like I, I want you to play sports, right? So like she was that kind of mom. It's like, how'd you do that, mom? She's like, if I needed to cry, I would just go in the shower. I just go cry. I don't want you to see my, my cry. And I was never going to badmouth your dad. Like that's just not, that wasn't right. And it just clicked for me, Stephen. I was like, dude, like, my mom could have easily accepted the role as a victim, right? Imagine you have a husband you're relying on and he works, makes good money, and then all of a sudden he's gone. You're not getting any child support. You're dealing with a teenager that's an asshole. You're in California. It's really expensive down there, right? Like she easily could have complained. So that really set the tone for me when I was 19, 20, Stephen. That's where I was able to get clean from drugs. I was able to look at myself in the mirror accept responsibility for being a piece of shit, being real with myself, and then just reminding myself, like, dude, being having that victim mentality is not going to serve me. So from there on out, you know, it's just a lot easier to navigate the real world. That's powerful, man. And I'm really happy that you brought that up because I feel like when people look at someone who is successful, and success means a lot of things to a lot of different people. You know, for you, awesome business, awesome family, you're in shape, you run triathlons and marathons, right? Fitness, physique through the roof. Um, and I feel like people are very easy to be like, oh, well, you know, he didn't go through anything hard or, you know, you know, he's just naturally talented or he's just a good salesperson. But in reality, almost every successful person or every successful person that I at least know has had some massive trauma or a massive tragedy or something that they've had to go through to earn their battle stripes in order to become the person they are today. And I feel like it's almost a necessity to success because for all the people out there that don't go through challenges or they don't go through trials and tribulations to become successful, that success is fleeting and it's not sustainable because they didn't grow and they didn't have to grow through those challenges in order to become the person and sustain what they're trying to accomplish. You know, it's like if you have a good war leader, you want to make sure that war leader has gone through war so you know that he has the ability, capability to lead you through difficult times. So I think more people need to talk about their challenges and the, the struggles and the L's because in this social media world we live in, all we see are the W's and it's a very misleading guide and route to success in whatever area you're trying to perceive. Yeah, you are 100% right. But then also you have to remind yourself, and this is where it can be a slippery slope. And what I mean by that is every person that you look at on social media in real life and you're like, man, they're crushing it. Millionaire, hot wife, in shape. Dude, there's demons. There's things that they're struggling with, right? Like maybe behind closed doors, they don't have a good relationship with their parents, they're fighting with their wife, right? They're going on social media and posting like, happy anniversary. I love this, this, this woman. I couldn't be anywhere without her. I wouldn't be where I am without her, right? But you, you don't know, right? So like, I'll just keep it real. I mean, I told you this kind of before the podcast. Like right now, I'm in a season of business where it's, it's not easy right now. Like we're struggling, right? Cash flow's tight. We're just, we're not doing as well as we've done before. I've been in business for five years, right? And in my brain, I'm like, okay, Got the spiritual element, my personal health, my relationships, my business, my finances, 
uh, my business's finances, my personal finances, right? If we just look at all of those things, like, are you crushing it in every single one of those areas in your life? Probably not. And your hero, the person you look up to, your mentor, the person that is crushing it, they probably aren't either, right? Like, it's just really, really hard to just be crushing it in all of those areas. Right now, I am in a phenomenal place with my wife. Like, I can honestly look in the mirror and be like, dude, like, we don't fight. Like, we've been together for 11 years. I mean, like, I fight with her about, like, just not throwing shit away. I'm like, babe, like, that cardboard box, can we just throw it away? She's like, no, we might need it one day. I'm like, babe, we're not going to use it. Like, that's our fights, right? So, you know, my daughter, like, I'm her, I'm her volleyball coach. Like, her and I are just really vibing well, right? She's a teenager, and she wants to hang out with me. I'm like, holy shit, wake me up. This is a dream. Um, I'm kind of a lot like you. Like, you've got a really, really nice house, but I know you're a baller. I know you could have a nicer house. Dude, I, I live right down the street. Like, I, I'm in Rhodes Ranch, right? I bought my house for 300 grand. I could have bought a way nicer house in 2018. But I'd rather just live below my means. Let me just not overextend myself. And I'm just really glad I'm in that position because I'm not struggling or not like pressured with a $3,000 mortgage. You know, business is slow. Okay, cool. Like we drive paid off cars. We don't live extravagant, right? So, you know, I'm grateful for some of those things. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, don't be so hard on yourself, right? Like don't. And, and that's where I said earlier, it's a slippery slope because you don't want to then be like, well, if they're not doing well and crushing it, then like I'm okay being mediocre, right? And that's where it's that slippery slope of being grateful for what you have, but still being a hungry killer. Yeah, and that's that's the delicate balance that so many people, including myself, um, struggle with. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm really glad you brought up some of those things. Gratitude, I agree, man. I think you know, there's, there's a quote, what, what you appreciate appreciates and it's cliche, but it's, it's so true. Similar to you last year, I had a pretty stagnant year in my solar career, but there were so many other areas in my life that were doing really, really well and where focus goes, energy flows. And if you're dwelling to your point, most people don't have every aspect of their life crushing it at the same time. I think similar to you, there's seasons of people's lives. And if you can zoom out over a long enough time horizon, you can kind of see that pattern in those seasons. Maybe in one year, your business was struggling, but your personal life, your fitness was awesome. And then your business is absolutely crushing it, but you maybe have to sacrifice time with your wife or your girlfriend or your kids or whatever the case is. It's very hard to be winning in every area all the time, because if that was the case, then there wouldn't be any more growth, because I think growth comes with pressure and challenges. And if there's none of that, then you're not having to overcome anything. Therefore, you're staying the same. So for me, I feel like pulling gratitude and appreciation from the things that are going right in your life then can bleed into other areas. For example, last year, solar was pretty stagnant. This year, it's absolutely crushing it, and we're on track to have our best year ever. Why? One, because I was continuing to develop and push against the challenges that were occurring, but also I was still able to stay in a very high state, of still a very high state of appreciation. Therefore, over a long enough time horizon, things started working, working really well. So I agree. I think gratitude is extremely important. Now, my question for you, Danny, is where do you link your happiness to? Because I feel like for a lot of people, to your point, when you compare to other people, all you're seeing is their highlight reel. Oh, they're crushing it in business. Therefore, their life must be fulfilled and happy, which isn't always the case. So where should people, or I'll just ask you, where do you link your happiness and fulfillment to? And for people out there that may be linking it to something that is up and down, what advice would you maybe have for them so they have a more stoic approach to life? Yeah. So what areas of your life are you developing? And I think I can relate to you on the business side in the sense like what makes me fulfilled and gives what fills up my cap my cup of joy of happiness is developing is just seeing progress and the word seeing can be really frustrating right because you got this business you got this job and you feel like you're doing well you're putting in the work you're not cutting corners like 
you are showing up and you're pretty damn good at what you do, but your bank account isn't showing it, right? The results just aren't there, right? You can't touch it, see it, feel it. So while you're doing all that, what are other areas in your life that you can actually touch, see, and feel some development, Mm -hmm. right? The easy path is that quick dopamine, right? Let's, Let's go get fucked up this weekend. Let's go party. Let's, you know, let's go do all those things. And I'm not saying don't ever do that. Um, But we just know that's a quick fix. So personally, I'm able to see some development in some other areas in my life. Telling you just a little bit earlier, I've never played volleyball in my life. Right now I am coaching a group of 13-year-old girls and I am a volleyball coach, coaching my daughter's team. And like never in a million years thought that was going to happen. That, that is something that I am finding a lot of joy in, right? So if I didn't have that and I'm going through what I'm going through with my business where there's some struggle and I'm putting in the work, but I'm not seeing it actually hit my bank account just yet, then I got to make sure I find some other areas where I see some development, where I'm getting better, right? And, you know, I'm actually sharing this joy with my wife. My wife is my assistant coach. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to find something in your life like, how can you get better in something, right? Because I think naturally people want to see progress, right? Like you're at a job. If you don't see an opportunity to grow and get a raise and get promoted, like you're just going to get stagnant, right? So what are some areas in, in your life can be tied to money, can be tied to something else where you can find a way to get a little bit better? Yeah, and I would agree because the cool thing is, Success breeds success, progress breeds progress. So if you're progressing, say, for example, in your fitness life, then you can use some of those lessons, that confidence, that momentum and energy and pull some of that into maybe your business where it needs a little bit. I think where people kind of get stuck, though, is they're not progressing in any area or they're progressing in the wrong areas. Wrong areas being progressing in, you know, vices or progressing in certain areas because I forgot where I heard this, but consistency you know you ask 100 people what's some attributes to success right consistency you want to look like danny blue right you got to be consistent in the gym right work out a lot eat really well and that's how you look like you but what most people don't realize is you can be consistent in the wrong areas because everyone's consistent in certain areas of their life it's just are you being consistent in the right areas if you're just smoking weed and watching netflix all day and your bank account hates you it's because you're being consistent and being complacent therefore you have to put awareness on that in order to shift out of that and hopefully prime find progressive in some other area uh, to eventually pivot and bring that momentum into those certain areas Now, you talked a little bit about financial literacy, which is, you know, your space. Uh, You're in the financial space. And I really loved what you talk about of living below your means. Because when a season, when a winter comes and potentially a business and you're overextended, that's where people, you know, lose their pants and they get into a really bad situation because they're over leveraged. My question for you is what is the balance or what is the the line between living underneath your means so you're not overextending yourself and when seasons come you're able to bear that and eventually you know get out of it versus being okay and being complacent with your life where you're not being inspired to go out there and go get new things because everyone likes new things i like new like nice things you like nice things but i think there's a balance between getting nice things and pursuing nice things for flex culture and overextending versus getting nice things to increase your identity to hopefully inspire you for that next milestone yeah so you use the word pressure so i think you have to find a way to create manipulate pressure so i mean we've all heard of that athlete that makes it big makes you know millions and millions of dollars and like their motivation was and I just wanted to get my mom out of the trailer park. Like, that's a great story. That sounds amazing. But chances are that's probably not realistic for everyone. Like, if everyone's goal was to retire their mom, right, they'd, they'd be crushing it, right? We all love our mom, right? So if that truly is it, then you have to find a way to create some pressure around it, right? And that's where you have to manipulate pressure, so I think there's a couple of areas to, to do that, right? So like, let's just say 
you're living below your means, you know, you're, you're spending less than what you're making, right? That's a good start. However, to avoid being complacent, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, this is where I think events and masterminds serve a purpose. I'm in a season right now, Stephen, where I'm not going to events. You know, I've, I've spent you know, over $100,000 on masterminds over the years and coaching programs and events. Great ROI. It's been good to me. I've met amazing people. Our mutual friend, Travis Chapel. shout out to him. Um, I met him through a mastermind, through coaching, through, you know, friends of friends, right? So, like, it, it's a lot of benefits. But I'm in a place right now where I'm just taking things off my plate. So what's on my plate, I can be really, really good at, right? Business, family, things of that nature at this moment, right? So I think, one, being around events and masterminds, um, can really help because you're seeing what's possible. You're stretching your your imagination, your 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 thought process, your mindset. Right. You just can't fall into a success zombie and go to a bunch of events and not take action. But that's probably a whole other podcast. Okay. So that's one. Right. The other one is dude, just creating some pressure. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at with my business. Right. I've got 12 employees that uh, rely on us. I've got a thousand customers all in all 50 states that rely on us. We're trying to you know, acquire new customers while maintaining a good service, right? So, like, that's that's pressure, right? So, on top of the fact that, you know, I want to be there for my mom and, and pay her back, like, you damn right I'm motivated to do that. Like, she was there for me. She helped me, you know, single mom. I want to pay her back, right? So, you know, I kind of manufacture some of that pressure and I create and manipulate some of that those challenges um, while living below my, my means. So then that way, you know, I'm still having that desire to to be a killer, right? But then also just knowing I'm not being a dumbass with my money. Yeah, I love that, man. Leverage the pressure. You know, people look at pressure as something negative, but if you can shift your connotation to it, pressure really is a privilege. You know, I, again, last year I talked about kind of had a down year, had a, you know, one-on-one with my mentor coming into uh, the new year and he kind of called me out a little bit. And, uh, you know, he said, hey, hey man, we all feel pressure. You know, pressure is a good thing because if you're not feeling pressure, you're not pushing yourself, you're not stretching yourself, you're not putting yourself in a vulnerable situation in order to, again, grow and overcome those challenges. And I think a lot of the time it's how we interpret things that will actually create the energy or response that we match that if you look at pressure or again a season of of your business that's something negative and woe is me and you fall into that victim mentality which we all do from time to time it's how long we're willing to stay there that will dictate how long it takes for us to get out of that season but as long as you can see it as it is right I'm not you know super optimistic in terms of like oh, our business is sucking but everything's okay right like be a realist about the situation but then respond to the best move on the chessboard. And if you can logically look objectively at the situation and do your best to shift your connotation to it, chances are your actions coming out of that negative moment or that season will yield higher results. Because what you don't want to do is focus on the negative and focus on everything that's going wrong and blaming everyone else because it doesn't matter how hard you work. If you're not in the right headspace, you're not going to attract the result that you're looking for. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And that's why I'm a firm believer of there's seasons in life where you just have to remove things, right? I think we're always being inundated with more, 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 do more, more, more. And I'm all about, you know, adding more, to your life to level up right I, I think you know adding more relationships and adding more income right like add and multiply like that's simple math right we want that but i do think there's some times in your life where you do have to subtract right because i have found when you subtract and you just kind of audit your situation and just remove some things off of your plate there's opportunity that's gonna find you Right now, all of a sudden, because you freed up your, your, your plate and you kind of deleted some things off of your, your operating system. Oh, shoot. Here's this new opportunity that I can take on now that I actually have more band, bandwidth. Totally. What's your relationship with solitude? Man, so solitude is it's interesting that you, you asked that question because my whole routine has been thrown off, Stephen. Like, you know, I used to, I mean, the last time I ran, dude, was December 25th. I have not ran since then. And, uh, you know, I was just 
crushing 30 milers, 40 milers, 50 miler. Like I was just running like, you know, Forrest Gump. And that was my solitude, right? Like that was my moment of just being alone and just kind of meditating. I was doing a lot of yoga at that time because, you know, stretching and just kind of getting my, my body right, right? So now how do I find solitude, right? And I think it's really important that you do have that alone time, right? And maybe you're in a place right now where you're just not able to find that just because you just have a lot going on. So personally now I have less alone time, but I make the most out of it, right? So like when I'm in the car, I used to listen to podcasts a lot. I still do, but dude, I just drive without anything, without music, without podcasts, just kind of give myself some time to, to just reflect, just think. And uh, I think that's really important for all of us to have because, you know, there's just so much thrown at us, right? I've also just limited my um, exposure to social media because there's just a lot thrown at me, right? So again, just trying to have less in my life. So then that way, when I have that solitude and I can just have some new ideas, some new creativity, I'm a big proponent of, you know, hiking, like just getting out in nature, walking the dog, right? Just moments that I can find to, you know, just get in a different state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. The solitude thing for me is something that I know I need. And it's something that when I consistently add it to my practices, it makes a monumental impact on my psyche, my well-being, and, and overall my performance. But to what we were just talking about in this more and more and more society where you continue to get, you know, hammered down with, you know, stimuli and texts and bings and bongs and meetings and all this, it's such a challenge, at least for me, or at least I, I think it's a challenge in my own thought process to really consistently cultivate that practice so I know as you as a runner I feel like for a lot of people meditation could be different things you know for some people it could be running for some people um, it could be reading actually sitting there yoga there's so many different ways to practice meditation but it's such an important thing to do because we're bogged down by other people's thoughts concepts ideas consistently in today's age and if you don't allow that to melt away from you you're never able to actually cultivate your own inner voice and tap into your own intuition to figure out what is best for you and in some seasons i feel like people don't need more they need less and if they can tap into that solitude their inner guidance system whatever you believe in will will show you the way of what you need to do yeah i mean at the end of the day we're all controlled at, by something right some things and it's just a matter of how much control we're willing to give right so that's where i do love that you bring up the solitude because it's like even if it's 10 minutes it's like that's 10 minutes that's mine like 10 minutes of mike i am control i am the captain of my own ship and i mean you'd be really surprised what you can uncover you know in that 10 minutes of just chilling by yourself exactly man what initially attracted you into running at such a high level? Because, you know, I've read You Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins, and that was really the only time that inspired me. And I probably go, I, I don't even think I ran a mile. Um, so to do it consistently at such a high level, obviously it takes massive dedication and training. What are some things you learned from that experience and what initially uh, attracted you to that in the first place? Yeah, man. So I'll just keep it real with your audience. So first couple years in, in, in business, really well man like no no complaints a lot of growth started hitting i used a, a word hopefully you don't uh, your audience isn't getting mad at me too much but a word that really defined last year and then it really tied into running but fuckery and, and like we, call, we call fuckery in running because like, dude you're supposed to run 30 miles and you hit mile 20 and we call it a wall. You just hit a wall and you just feel like giving up, dude. You're cramping. You're already thinking about just drinking that whole Gatorade and just one gulp and just sitting down and just like calling it a day. And you're already thinking about like, dude, I'm, I'm done. Right. But you get past that wall. And the next thing you know, you're on mile 21. You're like, oh, dude, I feel amazing. I feel like I just started. Right. So this is like you got to get past that fuckery. So I had a friend of mine last year. It was last July. He was turning 36 37 years old and for his birthday he wanted to run 37 miles and he and i are kind of competitive we go back and forth and he's like yeah i'm gonna run 37 miles for my birthday next month this is in june i was like i'll do it with you he's like all right let's go 
So I trained for a month and I went from not running to, I ran 37 miles with them. Um, so I just got addicted to it, man. Like, and you know, maybe, and man, and maybe we can go back and forth. And I think this is probably a hot topic, but you know, a lot of people ask or they, they say very strongly addiction is a disease, right? Like being addicted to heroin is a disease, right? I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I do feel like some people have addictive personalities, right? I can own that. I do feel like that is me. So that being said, and this is where I just have to be very, very cautious and self-aware of where am I putting in that energy? If I have an addictive personality, I probably shouldn't be in that environment. I probably shouldn't associate with those people. I probably shouldn't follow that social media account. I probably shouldn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm constantly doing that, right? So I think I just got hooked, man. Um, I've been clean from Oxycontin since November 2009. So I just channel my addiction into other areas, right? Maybe it's, you know, business or whatnot. But last year, to answer your question, I was just kind of going through some fuckery in business, kind of just going through some, some challenges. And I thought, you know what? Dude, running will be a great coping mechanism. It'll be a great way for me to meditate, kind of just get away from the business, think about, you know, create, you know, being creative and whatnot. And I just really got addicted to it, man. Next thing you know, I was running 30, 40, 50 miles. And uh, I really loved it, really enjoyed it. My goal this year was to run 100 miles with some buddies and really just, you know, go hard. But then uh, next thing you know, Stephen, my daughter, out of the blue in December this last year, she's like, hey, Dad, I want to sign up for volleyball. Can you sign me up? I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, I want to play on a volleyball team. And like, dude, I've tried everything with her, Stephen. I've tried soccer. I've tried basketball. I've tried dancing. I've tried ballet. i tried, like, dude, what do you want to do? Underwater basket weaving? Like, I will sign you up for anything, anything but you two. Like, what do you want to do? And she's like, yeah, I like the piano. All right, I bought her a piano. So I'm like, okay, she's an artsy kind of person. Like, that's what she wants to do. That's cool. Like, that's, I support you. So I gave up on her doing sports. But then in December, she's like, Dad, I want to play volleyball. I want to be on a team. I was like, dude, say less. I'll sign you up. Signed her up. I sign her up for a team. I'm supposed to hear back from the coach for her to start practice. I don't hear shit. A month into it, she was like a week away from their game. I call the league. I'm like, hey, where's her coach? When's practice? Like, you guys have a game next week. Like, yeah. There's uh, actually not a coach. And if we can't find a coach, we're going to have to disband the team. Enter me being the coach. I was yeah. just like, dude, there's no way I'm going to go to my daughter and be like, hey, Bella, you can't play volleyball because there's no coach. Like, So I had never played volleyball in my life. I had no experience, nothing. I said, all right, I'll be the coach. I fucking jumped on YouTube that night, just Google some stuff. And uh, that's how I ended up being her coach. And then all of a sudden... Every night, she's like, Dad, let's go hit balls. Dad, let's go play. Dad, let's go play. So I'm just like, okay, do I go run and spend all this time running or do I spend time playing volleyball with her every day? So, you know, that is my new addiction right now. Um, so, you know, just going back to your question earlier, you know, and then maybe this people can relate to this. It's just like, dude, you have to delete things in order for new opportunities to come about. Because on the running side, what's crazy, Stephen, is I actually was like, okay, let me take like a week or two off, a couple weeks, a month off from running. Let me just heal, heal up real quick. And then I'll hit running again, you know, going into 2023. And next thing I know, because I quit running, all of a sudden volleyball fell in my lap with my daughter. So it's just crazy how the universe works out. Like I, I really do, um, you know, encourage you to think about right now, if you're like overwhelmed, you're frustrated, you don't feel like you're kind of progressing where you want to be in your life. Like what's something you can get off of your plate? And it might be a little scary and uncomfortable at first, but you get that off of your plate. I bet you there's going to be something else that you can add that is going to be very fulfilling. You can add to your plate a week, a month, three months later. So cool, man. That's a, that's a super cool story. Where do you, where do you think that growth mindset comes from? Because I feel like you're the type of guy that's like, oh, yeah, volleyball coach next week, bet. You know, oh, yeah, run 40-something miles, never ran before for your birthday in a couple months, bet. Like, most people don't think like that. Most people, they're so conditioned to look at the obstacle and not the solution. And that's where that fixed mindset versus growth mindset coming. But it feels like it comes so naturally from you, which I know isn't natural, is cultivated and, and by design. But where does that growth mindset come from? And how do you think people can start leaning into that a little bit more? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think at the end of the day, 
it's figuring out a way to just hone in on what you want to accomplish and not worry about the results right away and not give a shit about what anyone else thinks. And I know it's easier said than done, right? So if I use the last couple examples in my life, right? 2018, let me start a business, right? I got some pretty good personal credit. I have some money set up, saved up. I've never ran a business. I didn't get a degree in business. My family's not rich. I didn't go to USC. I'm starting a business in the financial space. Like, dude, what am I doing? Like, you know, people are going to think I'm an idiot. Like, who's going to want to work with me with their retirement accounts? Like, you know what I mean? So it's easy to just get caught up and start doubting yourself. But if you're just focused on, hey, I want to help people with their retirement accounts and I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I don't care what people think about me. And I know it's not going to be easy. You just kind of set yourself up to just play the long game. And that's how I did it with volleyball too. I'm like, okay, I'm, we're probably going to lose every single game. Like we're going to be trash, but I know if I put time into it and I actually am committed that the reward is going to be there. Right. So and that, that's kind of been a gift and a curse, just to keep it real, Stephen, where I shoot first and then aim later. As I'm getting older, I am focusing more on being, you know, just a little bit more cautious and uh, cal- more, more, you know, uh, having better calculations, um, but still, you know, taking action, right? You know, we always hear about you know, fail forward and take action and figure it out down the road. And absolutely, like you definitely want to do that. There's a lot of of growth that comes from just, you know, jumping in the pool and then learning how to swim. But at the same time, there's been some decisions I've made in my life, more so in business, where I'm like, man, if I would have researched a little bit this more, if I would have vetted this out a little bit more, if if I would have thought about this a little bit more, if I would have thought about what could go wrong a little bit more, you know, my personal life too, I I would have gotten better results. So I think it's a combination of, of the two, but I would rather have more of the action taking mentality versus being cautious and never taking any action and being indecisive. Totally. There's participants and there's players, you know, and and most are participants and spectators, excuse me. And uh, yeah, I just made a decision nine years ago that Whatever I see an opportunity that my gut and my intuition says that it's something that's going to benefit me and something that's going to help me grow, I'm just going to decide. I'm just going to commit first and figure it out later. And it's really served me um, in many facets of my life versus the old Steven, my old identity, to your point, was very self-conscious. Oh, what if it doesn't work out? What does this person think? Oh, I'm not qualified. And that robbed me of so many potential opportunities. And one of my my core principles is I don't want to regret things. That's one of the things that I really had to learn the hard way growing up in high school is I had a lot of regret coming out because I didn't do the things that I wanted to do because I was so scared of other people's opinions and I was very self-conscious and low self-esteem. So learning from that experience, I'm like, you know what? I want to be a play. I want to be a participant, not a spectator moving forward in life. And I'm really happy I learned that lesson at a young age because it's really helped me make major decisions when it's come to my life as an adult. Yeah, and I think you could probably think some people in your life, like an older brother, mom, dad, right? Like that. those are the kind of people that, you know, transfer that thought process, that energy, right? So... It, yeah, in, in a sense, but, you know, it's funny because it's like you always hear, oh, you want to learn from learn from other people, right? Learn from other people. Sometimes you just need to learn from their mistakes, you know, because, like, I, I'm an only child. Um, I had some really close friends when I was younger, but I didn't really have too many examples of people to look to from really any successful facet. But what I did learn is I learned what not to do from those people. And, you know, this goes back to, I think one of the key principles when it comes to success is, you know, if you want to get good at something, you have to take advice or model someone that has the physical results of whatever you're trying to, you know, you would never go to the gym and listen to someone on how to get fit if they were overweight. It just doesn't make sense. Yet, 
so many people go through life listening to their their parents or listening to their college professor or their friends that haven't necessarily constructed anything in that certain space, right? I'm sure they're great people, great family people, great members of society. But when it comes to a business or comes to a specific area of life, they haven't necessarily achieved that. So why are you taking results from that? But at the same time, for me, at least in my experience, I looked at what other people in my life were doing. I said, hey, I don't want that. Therefore, I chose to go a different direction and actually use their example to help me get to where I wanted to go based on what I didn't want, not necessarily what they what they did want. Yeah, I mean, and I think everyone can do that, right? Like every single person can do that. And a lot of people don't, right? It's just that takes time. That takes being honest, right? A lot of times you just look at that person and you don't want to, you know, feel that way just because they're your sister, they're your brother, right? But ultimately it's, it's your life. Amen, man. So Danny, one of the questions that I see all the time is, Stephen, how do you balance? How do you balance, you know, work life and personal life? And for me, I'm, I'm not a husband yet, you know, soon to be, I'm not a father yet. I have two cats. Yes, I run a business. Yes, I, I like to be active. But for you, who is a f- active father, an active husband, running a business, running a podcast as well, and probably a bunch of other stuff, being a, an extreme athlete. When people ask you, how do you keep that balance? What is your response? Man, just taking care of number one. Uh, my grandpa, he is 95, 96 years old. Bless his heart. Dude, homie is not on any pills. Uh, he just barely started using a cane to walk. And it's only because, like, my mom just gave him so much shit. Uh, he's stubborn, but, I mean, dude, like, I can have a coherent conversation with him. Like, he is with it. Does crossword puzzles every day. And every time I see him, he always just, like, looks at me, smiles. He's missing teeth and shit. And he just has his, his hand up. He's like, you taking care of number one? I'm like, you know, Grandpa, number one. Right. And he's done that for decades with me, man. And it's so right, dude. Like, you know, you got to take care of number one. Right. And I think a lot of people look at that as being selfish. Right. But, you know, we've all heard the, you know, the example of you're on an airplane and oxygen, you know, comes down. Like you got your daughter next to you, your wife next to you. Like, you know, yeah, you want to make sure they have oxygen, but for you to help them, like make sure you can breathe first. So then you can help out the people around you. Right. If you're coming from a place of low energy and uh, low vibration and, you know, you're just not happy with yourself and you're bitter and you're angry and then you're supposed to be a good boss, right? You're supposed to be a good partner. Um, that's just, you're not going to be able to do that, right? So I, I do really believe uh, in, in t- taking care of number one. And, and how you take care of yourself, how you fill up your cup is is going to be different than the next person, right? So don't feel like you have to copy uh, a bunch of people. Maybe you can take a little bit here from that person, a little bit there from that other person. This is where you just have to know yourself. And, and you know, that solitude you brought up could probably come in handy, like what fills up your cup? Like what makes you happy? And as long as it's something that is is good, right? Like don't cheat and be like, well, taking Xanax makes me happy. Doing a shot of tequila makes me happy. Like, no, come on. That, that's you're cheating, right? So like as long as what makes you happy is is solid, is good, is nutritious, just keep doing that and then the rest is going to fall into place, right? Like you'll have, as long as you're good with your time and you're committed and you're not wasting time, dude, you have, there's enough time in the day, right? If, if Elon Musk can do everything that he does, if all of these big hitters and these big winners can do everything that they do running, you know, these companies with thousands of employees, like, I mean, dude, if they can do it, you can't too. They shit just like you do. They put on their pants just like you do, right? So it can be done. You just got to focus on yourself first. Yeah. Sound advice, man. I remember coming up in my entrepreneur career. I was like, man, when I make X amount of money or if I have X amount of things or if I'm doing X amount of, you know, income revenue or whatever, then it's like, oh, I'm just going to be doing this. I'm going to be chilling. I'm going to be in an island smoking weed, yada, 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 because of the illusion that successful people somehow have more time, more freedom than others, which 
is kind of true, right? They have time flexibility. You know, you're able to take time out of your day and on a whim, you know, coach your daughter's, uh, you know, commitment to coach their volleyball team. But it doesn't necessarily they mean they have more time or that they're not being extremely productive um, and intentional with that time. I just think as you become more successful, you get more busy, but that busyness you're able to control that busyness and you're also able to control how effective you are in that busyness where I feel like at a lower level of the marketplace, you're at the control of who is dictating your busyness versus you dictating your busyness. And I feel like that makes a really big difference in your level of efficiency, effectiveness, and ultimately, you know, your life. So Danny, we, uh, you know, we met at a networking event, which is, which is awesome. And it's been cool that we've been able to cultivate this relationship. And I feel like part of it is you were a big inspiration for me to actually start a podcast. You know, I was on, you know, your podcast, what, a couple of years ago now, a year and a half, How Winners Win. Uh, you guys have five times more episodes than, than I do, uh, you know, over 100 episodes, which being in the space, I have massive respect for it because it is a full-time thing, even if you're working it part-time. What made you want to start the podcast and what's some things that you maybe learned from starting it that you didn't originally think you would learn? Man. So when I started the podcast, I was in a season of building a brand and, you know, maybe some of you listening to this can kind of take a couple things away from it. So I, I, I'm a big proponent and someone explained this to me one day and I, and I really loved the way they did it. Um, shout out to, uh, friend of mine, mentor of mine, Ryan Stuman, he's like, dude, there's power and there's force, right? Like you can force your way into a transaction. You can force your way into a deal, right? You knocked on doors, crushed it for years and years and years. I pounded the phones, you know, called a bunch of people over the years, cold calling, right? You can create some magic that way, right? Or you can do some things to generate some power where it can come to you, right? So a couple years ago, I was like, man, I've you know done decent in life, Doing a, creating a lot of force, right? You know, calling 150 people a day, three hours talk time every single day, you know, years after years after years. So what would my life look like if I started to create a brand, right? What if I wrote a book? What if I started posting consistently on social media? What if I, you know, started writing articles on Forbes? What if I created a podcast, right? Like what if I started playing the long game instead of just, pounding the phones and making a quick sale that day. What if I did something today, but it might not pay off until six months from now. Am I okay with that? Right. So I had to change my mindset. So yeah, what motivated me to do the podcast was right around the same time. I, I wrote my book, started writing some articles, um, for some publications, started to get more consistent on social media and just started to play the long game. And I accepted that I might make a post and only get, three likes. I accepted I might record a podcast and only my mom listens to it, right? Like I just, going back to what we talked about earlier, commit first and figure that shit out later, right? So I did all those things a few years ago and I tell you guys it works, right? Like you get results that might not happen next month, three months from now, six months from now, but you know, it's pretty damn cool when people reach out to you like hey dude listen to you know episode 30 like yada 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 i'm like holy shit episode 30 like you're way back there that's pretty cool you know so um you know i do encourage you guys if if there's if you're in it for the long run right and you could be a realtor you could have a plumbing business you could you know have a coaching business you could be in the real estate space right like the technology and where we are as a as a society is just it is going and it's never going to stop. I don't think unless something dramatically changes, but like people are always going to Google shit, right? They're always going to look for credibility, right? So if you have a podcast, if you wrote a book, if you, you know, have a really good social media content creation uh, system going, if you got some articles some publications, like all of that can really serve you well over the long run. So um, yeah, man, what's, what's crazy, what inspired me, what helped me uh, do my podcast was Travis. So Travis, you motherfucker, you, you just, you're the gift that keeps giving, right? Like I would probably not have started a podcast without Travis. There's another good friend of mine, uh, Trevor and Kale. They've got a podcast called the real business owners. And, um, so those guys, you know, inspired me to do a podcast, you know, and, and maybe you can relate to this, Stephen, where you're like, 
I'm just too busy to do podcasts. Like, I got a real business. I got employees. I got things to do. Like, I don't got time to do a podcast. I'm not going to make any money off of it. Like, uh, what am I going to talk about? Like, no, nah, I'm good, right? All these self-limiting beliefs. But then you start doing it. You're like, damn it, I should have done this earlier. Just talking to people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I agree, man. Uh, you know, Travis as well, before I even went on your show, he's like, bro, you should start a podcast. This was four years ago, and it, it took me three and a half years to – to finally do it but no man it's it's fun and it's just a another cool way to connect with people and like we talked about share an hour of intimate conversation and, and hopefully leverage those relationships long term with with you doing so many episodes 118 100, yeah, right around there like 115 115 yeah. that's that's a lot of episodes a lot of guests i know some of them are solo pods what do you think is a common denominator from some of these high caliber guests that you've had that you feel like you took away from interviewing them in person for an hour? I would say that they were all really intentional, right? Yes, they committed to something and quote unquote, they winged it, right? And as they went through the process, they figured shit out, right? However, they knew their numbers, Right. And I forgot his name. He owns the Houston Rockets. I think he owns the UFC. He's one of the big guys Petitas. here. Yeah. Yeah. One, they're, they're brothers, right? Yeah, it's two of them. One of them had a quote that was told to me that really resonated with me. And, and it's something that I try to remember. He's like, dude, there's nothing in my business that I don't know. Like every metric, every KPI, there's nothing I don't know. And coming from sales, coming from, you know, not having a business owner mindset, business owner mentality back in the day, it was easy for me to do that. It was easy for me to be like, let me just focus on sales. Let me just focus on making money. Like, we'll figure this shit out, right? But then, you know, there's levels to it. Business and operations and SOPs and KPIs and all those kind of things, right? So to answer your question, the guests that came on the show like they were killers like you, amazing salespeople, amazing human beings. But like you, man, they were calculated. They knew, okay, this is how much we have to get dollar per lead. This is what our salespeople have to convert at. This is what our client retention rate has to be. This is yeah, this is what our subscriber rate has to be. Like they just knew everything. And that's not a coincidence. Yeah, you have to. You know, you, you, you'll appreciate this, but you can't say you ran a marathon if you start at my, my, mile 10, right? You have to, you have to go through each mile and each mile you learn something about yourself, about the race, about your potential. And I feel like it's the same in business. And yeah, I, I agree with you, man, coming from the sales, direct sales background, where I feel like I, I have a, a good amount of expertise going more into the traditional business size of things. Again, you know, with the the fixed mindset automatically that I've been conditioned to automatically is like, oh, you can't do that. You dropped out of college. Like all these limiting beliefs and excuses pop up. And then my growth mindset takes over and they're like, you can learn anything you want to if you commit yourself and dedicate yourself. And, you know, that's probably the conversations all these high level eight, nine, 10 figure earners have as well. It's, you know, hey, we don't know it right now, but as long as we commit ourselves and if it's something we care about, we're passionate about, we'll figure it out. And uh, that's how it goes. Amen. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? Yeah. Till you get in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, you've been, you've been an absolute awesome guest, man. Um, just love your energy. Love how well you're able to articulate your words and overall, like your, your posture about your life, uh, the different pillars that you have from your family to your fitness, to your, your business. It's, it's so cool to see someone. I thought you were a lot older, man, to be honest. I didn't know you were 33. I thought you you're a bit older and that's what entrepreneurship does to us that, right that's what i'm saying man <laughs> carries yourself any uh any last words for the guests and also uh where can people find you man best place to find me would be instagram facebook it's under daniel blue uh, my last name is blue and it is my real name i use like once a week someone's like dude that shit's fake right i'm like no dude it's it's my last name is blue so uh they can find me on uh how winners win go check out steven's uh episode i think he's like episode probably like in the 80s uh you crushed it it was uh, really fun having you on the show so you guys can catch me on uh how winners win and then uh you can go to uh danielblue.me that's uh my website uh i wrote a book teaches you how to make money tax-free, how to access your retirement account penalty and tax-free. You young millennials, I say young, I'm a millennial, but 
we're, we're attracting a lot of clients right now, Stephen, that are like 33, 35, coming from a corporate job, 200 grand, a 401k. And they're like, dude, I got some like shitty mutual funds. Like, what can I do with this money? Um, you know, I'm not here to spam shit. Um, obviously, Stephen, I like really love what you got going on and, and your audience. Um, so the book, and I didn't even tell you I was going to do this. So the book gives you game, the game. You can go buy it on Kindle or Amazon for 20 bucks, or you can just go to danielblue.me. Um, and then you can just send a message, be like, Hey, I just heard you on Steven's book. Can you send me a free copy of the book and just give me your address? I'll ship it out to you for free. Uh, the book just shows you how to take a 401k or IRA and access it penalty and tax free. Maybe you want to invest into a solar business or real estate or crypto, you know, you can invest your money wherever you want. So, um, yeah, danielblue.me, you can, uh, find out, you know, all the podcasts, uh, my book, all my social media handles, and then, uh, if you want me to send you a free copy of the book, just uh, holler at me. Just let me know that you listen to me on uh, Stephen's show, and uh, I will hook you up. Appreciate that, brother. Definitely, guys, hit up Daniel. With all you guys making money out there hustling, you definitely need the financial education to back it. Because at the end of the day, we're not doing this to get by. We're doing it to get ahead. And the only way to get ahead is to uh, understand the principles to take you to freedom. So appreciate you doing that, bro. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you, guys. Hey, we'll see you on the next episode. Till next time. Peace.